0: This week we have been looking at the woman at the well, this amazing chapter of John, chapter 4. And today we have a final look at our message called, What to Do in the Harvest. God is moving in His church. You see it all around you. But what are you to do? What is your response to this? That's the question we're asking and answering here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We're in John chapter 4, verses 27 through 42. What to do in the harvest? And this is a great illustration of how we are to comport ourselves in the middle of Jesus moving amongst his people. Let's catch up with Pastor Phil Howard now. For today's broadcast of truth for today. Epaphroditus in
1: Philippians 2, it said he was working himself to the point of death to make up for your lack of service. I see some people in the church, we keep loading them up. Loading, it's even in giving. We can predict Who the major givers will. And they've given year in and year out. Year in and year out. Because they're doing the will of God. They're working. They sometimes can faint. And be discouraged in well doing. But they keep this ministry going under Christ. They serve. They give. They pray. They attend. Some it's a spiritual victory. Just to fall in here Sunday morning. You think you've served God just by coming. You didn't serve. You came to the table. You're at the table. I'm doing the work. And I know you're hoping I'll finish. I'm not done yet. I'm prepared. No, no. Some have already taught classes. Some have already done this. I'm amazed at how many people never seem to get involved in the harvest what's going on? Christ said, I want to do the will of God, and I came to do the work of God. I was involved, uh, Carol and I were involved at a meeting in which um, the group was going over the goals. And what they are going to do, I guess, in this next year, something like that. And um, as the chairman of the meeting read off, they'd had a little, like, uh, pilot group putting together stuff. Uh, let's see. Hiking. Uh, let's see. Hiking maybe some community contact, this, that, this, that. And so as I was riding home with Carolyn, I said, did you hear anything that sounded like anything Christ died for? Just a bunch of activities that I could get at the Y. Or I get at the Elks Lodge. I didn't hear anything about prayer. I didn't hear anything about evangelism. I didn't hear anything about missions. Didn't hear anything about helping the poor. It was just kind of let's have fun with each other. That's okay. We all need fun. We need to smile at least twice a year. But when you're in God's church, the priority of your life should become the harvest because that's what Christ's priority is. He cares about the harvest. Now, let me read to you some concerns that Christ has about the harvest. Um, Number one, he's afraid we will delay to get involved. Look what he says. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Now, I believe the disciples would, would want to say, I wonder what he's talking about. And while they're looking up, people are coming out of this uh, little town of Sychar because they're emptying the town. Come, they didn't see it. They didn't see it. That's why he said, lift up your eyes and see what I see. You remember, Elijah had a servant at Dolphin. That all they could see were the enemies that were going to destroy them. And Elijah said, Lord, open his eyes. And when he got spiritual perception, he saw the armies of heaven supporting Elisha and his servant. Here, lift up your eyes. Can God have a church that can't hear him? Can God have people that can't see? Spiritual thing. He told the seven churches of Asia Minor... He that has an ear, let him hear what I'm saying. And the indication seems to be, you can go deaf on me. I'm talking, the voice of eternity, and you act like you can't hear me. That's scary. You may not be a sheep, because my sheep hear my voice. And so, he says, the harvest is now. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages, And gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. The first thing I think that he would say is, don't say tomorrow. The harvest is in front of you right now. Not four months right now. Delay. Get rid of it. George Meade was the uh, lead general for the Army of the Potomac. And after Gettysburg, Lee began to retreat as fast as he could back to Virginia. They had suffered an incredible loss. Pickett's Charge was a slaughter. And so Lee wanted to get his men, uh, get them away from Pennsylvania and go to his home state of Virginia. He knew the terrain there. It's why the northerners could not ever outdo him in Virginia. And so he was fleeing from George Meade. And when he was fleeing with his army, what was left of it, he came to the Potomac River and they were having stormy weather and the... River was overflowing, it was flood conditions, and so the army was stuck at the Potomac, and the Union Army is on them. It looks like it's going to be inevitable slaughter and in the end of the Civil War. But George Meade was famous for marching troops. He was famous for organization, and he was famous for delay. He always delayed. And while he delayed, the Potomac River receded and Lee got his forces beyond the Potomac and the Civil War went for another two years. That was 1863 after Gettysburg. The war ends in 1865 with thousands of more lives killed. Meade could have done it had he acted that night and went for it, but he delayed. Delay was his model. Someone finally said to Lincoln, We got a guy out in Mississippi at Vicksburg that can fight, but he likes to drink. Lincoln said, Find out what he's drinking and order it for all my generals. I want someone to bring me a victory. I'm not waiting for another delay. And some of you have been delaying way too long. When do you get in this harvest? Many churches, we die with the comforts and we become in-house. Howie Hendricks used to always say, any life that all the roads go inward, and any church where everything is inward is in the process of dying. We must think outward. Delay is Christ's concern. Don't save four months. I read a statement on Coleridge, the famous poet... And uh, when Coleridge, uh, his life was a tragedy of lack of discipline. Uh, Never did so great a mind produce so little. He left Cambridge University to join the army. He left the army because in spite of all of his erudition, he could not rub down a horse. He returned to Oxford and left without a degree. He began a paper That only lasted for ten editions. It has been said of him. He lost himself in visions of work to be done. That always remain to be done. Coleridge had every poetic gift but one. The gift of sustained concentrated effort. Paul said this one thing I do. Not these ten things I dabble in. It's a shame to see some of you wasting your life and not being involved in the harvest. Where are you in the harvest? He said they're sowers and they're reapers. Now, he said in Matthew, turn with me to Matthew, chapter 9, Matthew 9. I'm listening. Those who have paper Bibles. He saw... The crowds in chapter 9, verse 36. And he had compassion for them because they were harassed. And that meant skinned alive. They were flayed, is the word. And helpless. They were fallen down like sheep that can't get back up on their feet. Like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful. But the workforce is small. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to make him feel more comfortable. No, the word in the Greek is ekbalo. It means thrust out, thrown in. It means just grab him by the seat of the pants and throw him in. I'm praying God will grab some of you by the seat of the pants and throw you in the harvest. Or put thorns in your bed. Do it, Lord. We don't deserve to sleep while men perish. He said, pray. So there's two things. We need laborers. And for those of you that are laboring and you're wore out and you do double duty. Pray the Lord of the harvest will thrust others into this harvest. We can't do it all by ourselves. We need the Spirit of God to call them. You know, I'm tired of talking to young people about stay away from sex, drugs, and alcohol. You know what's missing for young people? Is let's challenge you to help your generation not go to hell. Let's challenge you to not live just for the American dream. More money. More money. No dream. No Purpose, no value, just money. People are perishing, homes are breaking up, kids are strung out, girls stay pregnant, no one to take care of. Where in the world is the labor force? Do we care? Even do we pray? And Jesus said, pray. The harvest is ripe, is plentiful. Something else Jesus, I think, alerts us to is, don't ever remember the sower and the reaper are partners. There's some, you know, I remember when Sweet Davis, every time I'd ask him to speak, at least 100 people would get saved. And his sermons weren't half as good as mine. It just ticked me. I'd come back. And how was service? Well, we had about a hundred come forward. What did he speak on? We don't know. But man, we all came. So I got why I didn't want to have him preach for us anymore. Having too many results. I tried to evangelize. Did a poor job. Five, six years. Preaching. Holding old fashioned revivals, go two weeks, maybe one and a half people got saved. One was the pastor's wife and the other was the pastor's kid. (laughs) You know, very few results. Uh, Finally, it was when I went at a Bible college that I caught fire. I said, Wow, teaching kids that don't know what they've got, that was the thrill. And I prayed this morning. I said, Lord, where am I in this harvest? I don't leave many people to the Lord. Am I even in the harvest? I, I've been willing to work for you. I, I think I'm in your will. I came back to the Bay Area for your will. Everybody says, abandon the Bay Area. God says, I've got a harvest there. I've got a harvest. I'm going to save there. Where in the harvest are you? Do we need to pray you'd get involved? Pray that God anoint your eyes. That's another thing Christ is concerned about is you can't see what he sees. And that is our struggle all the time. He sees things eternal. He sees where that man will be in 50 years from now. And C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory said, if we could see what each other would look like in 50 years, in 50 years, we will learn not to envy anybody because some people we see that looks maybe poor, maybe just to use that economic classification, maybe not as sharp as you would think, but they might be a child of God and in 50 years they will be so gloriously clothed with glory that you would envy them if you knew whether they were headed. And others that you think has got it all in 50 years will be in hell saying, just give me a drink of water. So he says, you should never envy any man, despise any person, for you don't know their true state, whether they're rich or poor for eternity. This is the harvest. This is the harvest. Uh, I think of... um, Christ, and this sowing, reaping, i like to say something that's amazing to me. Carol and I, when we're out, and she, you know, if you're a school teacher, she'll see kids that she taught at Collins Elementary, and they'll come up, see her. But let me tell you something we hear a lot of times. We'll see kids that no longer come to the church, not even a Christian, and guess what they'll say to us many times? Oh, yeah, I was at Iwana every Wednesday night. And people helped me memorize those scriptures. I can never forget it. Iwana, Iwana. Or oh, you'll see a kid that was in our junior high group, children's church somewhere. We'll meet them out there. They'll come up out of courtesy and niceness. Hey, hi, Pastor Carolyn. Where are you going to church? We're not church. Uh... Uh, You know, we don't do that thing. Well, your folks brought you right. We did. And then sometimes I'll hear, I was just uh, with a couple, that they prayed for years for a daughter. And just three months ago, she was saved. But she grew up in our church when she's a little girl. She was evangelized by Sunday school teachers, Awana groups, on and on and on. And you know, the sowers take the most patience because you don't get to see the crop. I think of Anna Marie and that group. Carolyn, they had a banquet here last week. And there, uh, she gives this little gray-headed woman down here at 90 years of age, who's been working in our wanna how many years? 20, 25. Had two hips replaced, but she still gets up those stairs to check up on kids. You're kidding. 90-year-old. Mary and John, still beautiful. Just as pretty as the first time I met her. And you can't get in the harvest. It's just sowing, prompting kids. You remember Romans 3.23? The wages of sin hit Johnny. Get over here, get this verse. I mean, it's the most thankless kind of ministry. Dealing with kids, huh? But we all want them to become Billy Grahams before they become Al Capone. But somebody's got to sow. Because not all of them come from Christian homes. You parents that have poured years, money, time, scripture, who knows, somebody else may get to lead your kid to the Lord, but you'll be in on the reward. Those who sow and those who reap are one. And... Uh, Every once in a while, I'll meet somebody that says, yeah, I got saved during one of your sermons. I said, well, why didn't you tell me? Well, it's 10 years ago. Well, I don't care. I'll take it anytime. time. I want another notch. i led somebody else to the Lord. I want the credit. Not really. Only God saves. Preachers don't save. We preach, we teach, but only God saves, right? So all the notches are at the cross. All the notches are there. I ask you, uh, what do you plan to do with the rest of your life? You know what, missionaries, it's a very common statement. I couldn't find just one statement. But a very common reply in missions for years has been this. It's happened many times. By the time an unreached tribe is reached with the gospel, this is one of the most common comments they make. What took you so long? What? What took you so long to reach us? My mom and dad have already died and perished without this gospel. Without this Christ. What's taking you so long to get to us? Francis Schaeffer grew up in Philadelphia. And one day he's walking on the uh, outskirts of Philadelphia. And he's walking by the city dump. And he said as he viewed the dump, he saw old refrigerators, old TVs, all kinds of appliances, furniture. And he said he just thought for a moment, it took a lot of people's hard-earned money to buy all that stuff. They made time payments, uh, they, they bought this, they bought that. And he said just to think of all their investments to wind up on a garbage heap. Jesus said going to hell he called it gehenna the name of the garbage pit in Jerusalem and he said a man without Christ is headed for the garbage pit for eternity but i've got a harvest in the before they ever get to the garbage dump it's in souls in samaria rodeo Hercules, Richmond, San Francisco Bay Area, wherever. I'm going to Dallas tomorrow. George Rutenbar passed away. And uh, I just think when I go back there, there seems to be a huge church about every 10 blocks. And I come to the Bay Area, where are all the churches preaching Christ? Where are the churches? that have anyone attending of any size. We're a small remnant in a huge harvest. God knows we need laborers. We need prayer warriors. We need somebody's eyes anointed that all of our pleasures will never reach the harvest. Can you say it's the will of God for me to do what I'm doing? Are you in the will of God? That's all that matters. I mean, I search my own heart. I don't even feel like I'm making a dent. All I do is preach around here and pastor a few saints. But my, the harvest is so huge. So many yet to be reached for Christ. This is his harvest. And it might just be one fallen, lonely, hated woman or some other person that God's appointed you to share the gospel with. And he could turn on. You know, it's amazing. Hear this, and I close. Is it not amazing that not one disciple went into the city? And no Billy Graham brought him out, but one changed woman turned a whole town upside down. Let me tell you, if God saved you and changed you, you're the labor force God wants. Go tell somebody what He's done for you, and who knows how many in the town will want to come out and see a man that can give you eternal life. We're His witnesses, we're His workforce, and I ask you, are you working?
0: And this is Truth for Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Questions, comments about the program, as always, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by giving us a call, 855-833-9864. If you've got a question for Pastor Phil, you can use your smartphone. The Voice Memo app on that smartphone is a great way to reach out to us with your questions, praise reports, and comments. Simply record your question, who you are, where you're calling from, and then email it to us, tftquestions at valleybible.org. Again, that's tftquestions at valleybible.org. And again, as always, you'll find more information about Truth For Today at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. Now, Truth For Today is a listener-supported ministry. We have friends and family members who have come alongside to financially support the ministry to ensure that it continues on this radio station. Would you be a part of that family, that friendship? We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to us again. You can securely donate at truthfortodayradio.org or by calling 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Allen. Blessed
1: be the name of the Lord.